You're listening to Scott's story in Team Maddie's Legacy, a daughter with a rare spinal tumor called ATRT on the Child Life On Call podcast. Hi, and welcome to the Child Life On Call podcast. When your child is sick, the whole world seems to stop in its tracks. Plans and priorities change, and your number one job becomes figuring out how to get your child well again. For some of us, rest, medications, and relaxation can do the trick. But for others, it takes more. It takes countless doctor appointments, invasive medical testing, therapy, surgeries, the list goes on, and then you still may not have all the answers or results you were hoping for. This podcast features parents of children that have an illness or medical condition and gives them a place to share their own journeys and experiences. We will talk about the ups and the downs, the highs and the lows, but one thing seems to remain the same. Children are resilient and teach us more about ourselves and the world than we could ever imagine. Thank you so much for lending a listening ear and opening up your heart to these families and this podcast. I'm your host, Katie Taylor. You like to think that as an adult, when you face a traumatic experience alongside your child, that you you know what you're doing, that you're sort of the the, the, the developed protector. And um, I don't think that could be further from the truth. <laughs> it, it's uh, it, it, interestingly, while our minds as parents might be our biggest strength, they're also our biggest weakness. Because in those moments of trauma, we spend so much time, what do we do? We think about what changed in our life. We think about what might be, what could be, what if this, what if that. And children, and especially toddlers, their mind doesn't work that way yet. Hello, and happy Valentine's Day to you all. As always, I'm so, so honored that you've decided to take time to listen to this podcast. Thank you for being here. This episode is incredibly special for many, many reasons. Today, you'll hear my episode with Scott. Yes, the first dad on this podcast. Whoop, whoop. Dads represent... And we will be talking about all the miracles that surround his daughter, Maddie. I want to prepare you as you listen to Scott talk about Miracle Maddie that she did pass away in January of 2018. I'm going to be honest with you. Leading up to this conversation with Scott, I was feeling a bit anxious. To be allowed to have this intimate conversation about his sweet child and their family just felt huge, and it was. And I want to do Maddie and Scott and Pammy and Lily justice as we share their story for this podcast. However, within milliseconds of talking to Scott, I realized that Maddie's story is an easy one to listen to and an easy one to tell. It's a story that hasn't ended, not even close. So through Scott today and through their charity called Dancing While Cancering and through Scott's books, Maddie's story lives on. Thank you for listening to this today. Valentine's Day just felt like the right time to share this story of love and of light. Every week, I ask you to share episodes with those that you are close to, and today I'm asking you especially to share this episode. As Scott says, this is not a story of cancer. This is a story about life and how to find the miracles in every moment. So let's get started. My my full name is Scott Kramer, and um, my wife, Pammy, and I, we live in Chicago, with uh, our daughter Lily, who's about to turn three years old, and um, we we met 
senior year. Tammy and I met senior year at the University of Michigan and uh, have have since lived happily together in Chicago. Um, Lily had, and sort of the topic of our a lot of our conversation today, Lily, um, Lily has uh, an older sister, um, Maddie, who passed from a very rare form of cancer in um, in January of 2018 at at just three and a half years old, and uh, very very purposefully used the word has because um, Maddie is was and is just a tremendous force in our life and our inspiration for a lot of the work that we're currently doing and um, just an inspiration in our life in general. And so we are, we are on a, on a unique march forward with, with Maddie in our hearts and, and with uh, little Lily (laughs) smiling her way through and a little bit of a, a bliss of innocence of not yet sort of fully realizing what, uh, what her life story holds. Absolutely. And, you know, I guess Lily was just a baby when Maddie was going through all this. And so you're kind of getting to see Lily grow up. Do you see any parts of Maddie and her, you know, kind of as you watch her, any, any smiles that you're like, Oh, that feels like a Maddie <laughs> smile or that is not oh. a face Maddie would make, you know? <laughs> The answer is yes and yes. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> They're um, um, in so many ways so similar. And gosh, the amount of times that, um, especially as silly as it sounds in the car, mm-hmm. where you'll peek into that rear view mirror. And um, for us, that being that same car seat in that same spot yeah. and snuggled up, especially this time of year in Chicago in her winter coat and... Um, it could be Maddie. I mean, just every bit yeah. of facial structure, uh, her expressions. And, but at the same time, she's still, even from the moment she was born, she is still, she is still a second sibling. Yes. <laughs> and, and has that, has that uh, unique ability to say no when she does not want something. For sure they <laughs> that do. Her, that her, her easygoing sister did not have. So it's, uh, it's, she's an awesome combo. Lily is, uh, she's an amazing kid. And, and like you said, she was, she was just two, two months old, um, when Maddie was initially diagnosed back in April of 17. Um, and literally my wife, Pammy was on leave for, um, maternity leave at the time when Maddie got diagnosed only, to have that convert into medical leave when, um, when Maddie, when Maddie ultimately underwent uh, emergency surgery in April for what we would learn to be was a tumor covering four levels of her spinal cord. Gosh. Well, um, I want the listeners to know that Scott has written a book called Maddie's Miracles and it's, um, a series and story of their, their cancer journey, uh, because he blogged about it, um, as it went on. So I asked some guided questions just because I finished the book and I, and I, so I have a bunch of questions in my brain. So, um, I might step in because I, I actually, 
I feel like I know your story a little bit, so I may ask some specific questions, but would you mind going back to kind of, you really talk about like the week before leading up to the visit that led to that emergency surgery. Can you talk to us about that time? Yeah. Um, in, in that week before, so Maddie at, like I said, it's around, she's around two and a half at the time and healthy, happy, amazingly bright, beautiful little girl. Um, nowhere on our radar is that she is um, headed towards a direction of illness in any way, shape, or form. Maddie was the kind of kid that even colds were rare for her. And in that week leading up, she was she was complaining of pain in her neck that really escalated throughout the week. She to the point where we we actually had two doctor's visits and even an ER visit in that week before and and in united fashion every doctor said the same thing which is that um they think that she just had a virus and that that virus was causing her lymph nodes to swell and that that swollen lymph nodes was leading to this pain in her neck no, no no one even sort of blinked an eye and so nothing was on our radar other than waiting waiting out this virus well as the days went on and we got to around day seven, it's April 20th of 17, Maddie shows, starts to show some rashes on her hands. And I, to be honest, I don't even know why I, I called at this point because we had had so many doctor's visits, but I think there was just still some underlying discomfort mm-hmm. that this was not normal, that the pain she was experiencing was a little too escalated. So our doctor, our primary care says, you know what, there is a, there's a rare condition associated with hand rashes and neck pain called Kawasaki disease. Why don't you just go to the ER one more time? I'm not expecting anything. Just check it out to be safe. So I put Maddie in her car seat. We go to the ER. It's just me and her, Pammy and Lily stay back. And I mean, just to give you a sense of literally how unexpected what was to come felt at that moment we walked into the er and uh, i can still see it to this day it was just we were just sort of trying to have fun maddie had a juice box in one of her hands she had a bag of animal crackers in the other there was a lion guard was playing on the waiting room television so we were we were in business whether we were going to be waiting there for an hour um you know literally like sort of so many of us who have had er visits that turn out that I think for a lot of people uh, where you just wait a long time and you leave, that's sort of what we were expecting. Mm-hmm. Um, but ultimately I uh, put Maddie on the scale at triage, probably somewhere between seven and eight at night. And um, her, her legs buckled right out from under her. And I still can see the look on the nurse's face in triage. And I remember saying to her, you know, it's, I said, she's, she's been laying around a lot. It's possible that her legs have just atrophied, right? That's that, that, that would be no, a normal reaction to not moving a lot for the week. And while I remember she said, yes, there was just this look on her face that felt like we were at a different level. Um, and as that night wore on, Maddie, 
started to grow paralyzed actually down the entire left side of her body. It was a night of fear, terror, confusion. There was half of the doctors were thinking that she just had an abscess in her neck that a CT scan would reveal. They would suck it out and we'd be good. And the other half, which ultimately was the half that pushed us forward, um, one of a young doctor who was probably only a couple of years in as an attending said, if this is an abscess, it will be the best day of your life. What you need to do is get an MRI because I'm afraid of something so much more than that. And um, unfortunately, she was right. And sometime around midnight on April 21st, we learned that there was a growth covering four levels of Maddie's spinal cord. Um, needless to say, that was um, a twilight zone moment. Mm-hmm. I, uh, Pammy at this point had made her way to the hospital and I still remember her looking at me and saying, well, something almost out of a TV show. She said, Scott, are, is this really, are we here right now? And, um, I wasn't so sure. Mm-hmm. They, as the night wore on, we met with, um, as sort of this surreal reality continued, we met with the surgical team. You know, you go from talking preschool and zoo and aquarium <laughs> to having a neurosurgeon pull you aside in a room showing a black and white MRI on the board now probably at four in the morning, letting us know that Maddie may or may not survive this surgery itself and that if she does survive, um, laying out sort of a best-case scenario of months of inpatient rehab in hopes that she might walk again. Wow. And... um Yet at that same time, so she's intubated for surgery within five minutes of Maddie being intubated by sur- for surgery, we are greeted um, in a life-changing moment um, with someone from the child life team. Five minutes. And... Amazingly, the topic at that moment, which for some reason felt like a warm blanket, was how to talk to Maddie about what was going on. And it was incredible because it was like it lifted, it lifted this fear and uncertainty and lack of control. And for a brief moment, gave us something that we could control, which was how are we going to talk to Maddie about this? Um, and as, uh, as, as you know all too well from personal experience, our, our parental instincts aren't necessarily so great at dealing with those moments as a parent, at least for us. I'm not sure how common this is, but I get a sense from our experience more than not, you just immediately jump to everything's going to be okay, Maddie. Doctors are here. They're going to make you feel better. Everything's going to be all better soon. And, um, with 
compassion and precision, our child life specialist um, explained to us that it's got to go much deeper than that and that you have to make sure that you're building a trust with your child at that moment and that the words that come out of your mouth have to match the experience that they're having because if you're just saying it's going to be okay, um, they're not going to be able to explain the whirlwind that they experienced. And so that was sort of our first steps into learning how to communicate with Maddie. We, we put that for a brief moment on the back burner as we spent six hours while she went undergoing surgery, um, really just praying to see her again. Um, gosh, you know, all the, for so many of us, when you have a child, let alone your firstborn like Maddie, you are filled with all of the hopes and dreams for them. You know, Maddie, in our mind, she might have only been two and a half, but she probably, she had her path paved to medical school mm, in our mind. Yeah, of course. <laughs> it was, uh, there was no doubt that she was going to change the world. Yeah. And yet, at that moment, with the trajectory or projection that the surgeon gave us, I uh, I had only one prayer for six hours. I did not sit. I paced across the emergency room surgery floor for six hours straight, just praying for one thing, and that was just to hear her voice again. That was it. I didn't mind if she was going to be paralyzed from the chin down. Right. If, if it was her face and it was her voice and her mind, I knew we could make this work. And by, um, by some miracle, uh, we were blessed with that gift because six hours later, I, Maddie emerged from her surgery. We, we heard that squeaky voice again. <laughs> I got to hear Maddie say, hi, daddy. And, uh, every ounce of pain, fear <clears throat> melts away. Yeah. All of it. Every bit of it. Maddie from the book, um, and just reading about her has the cutest little personality and is just imaginative <laughs> even for two, you know, to, to really be two and like playing with figurines and just like loving Daniel Tiger and like loving Peppa Pig because it just, it just seems like when she watched it, like she was there with them and you know, it, you getting to spend those moments with her and just being pure awe of of Maddie and, and how she plays and how she sees the world. I mean, you truly had a miracle child and have a miracle child on your hands. Mm. It's uh, she was a she was like a five to ten year old in a two to three year old's body. <laughs> sounds like it. And it really was her where she was developmentally for her age, but yet still being a toddler yeah. was such, such a blessing. Sure. And especially uh, in the face of trauma. Right. Uh, and, and interestingly, I've talked about this a lot since and done a lot of thinking about it. And 
you like to think that as an adult, when you face a traumatic experience alongside your child, that you, you know what you're doing, that you're sort of the, 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 the developed protector. And, um, I don't think that could be further from the truth. <laughs> it, it's, uh, it, it, interestingly, while our minds as parents might be our biggest strength, they're also our biggest weakness mm-hmm. because in those moments of trauma, we spend so much time. What do we do? We think about what changed in our life. We think about what might be, what could be, what if this, what if that, and children and especially toddlers, um, their mind doesn't work that way yet. They just, when Maddie felt good, she played. Mm-hmm. <laughs> when, and when she didn't, she didn't. Right. But Maddie, Maddie wasn't thinking about that MRI. Maddie wasn't thinking about the conversation with the neurosurgeon. She was just Maddie. But yet, um, developmental-wise, still had the language still, skills to allow the tools that child life gave us to communicate with her and to help her start understanding what was going on in a way that was just really the perfect mixture for going through something traumatic, but in a healthy and emotionally appropriate way. And it was just, it was amazing to watch her. She, she in every which way, um, she carried us through her treatment process, not the other way around. Do you mind sharing with us if you can remember what, what words did you use for Maddie? I mean, she's a two and a half year old and, you know, she's, you know, more mature, but she's still a two and a half year old. How did you explain to her what was happening? What words did you use? Yeah, that's a, it's a great question. And we, we took a little bit of advice and we, and we just also did a little bit of our own searching uh, as to what resonates with Maddie and the key from child life at the end of the day was to break it down, was that however it came out of our mouth, to explain it in a way that she could understand. And for us, we we really did that, but then ultimately ran with it in a way to also try to make it positive. So uh, initially, it was to try to help her understand the experience, to link, to link the pain that she had had to now this world where post-surgery she's diagnosed with what would ultimately be a rare form of cancer called ATRT that would put her on a 52-week chemotherapy protocol. So we had to explain not just this surgery and a world where she exits um, no longer in preschool but with this neck brace and um, literally going to be spending weeks if not months in a hospital setting. And so we explained to her that um, she had a little ball in her neck called a tumor. And Maddie, remember your neck was hurting. It's because you had this ball, this tumor in your neck. But your super doctors, your super doctors took it out. (laughs) And that's why your neck feels better. But now we're going to have to take a special medicine called chemo to make sure that the tumor does not come back. And we just slowly would introduce that mantra 
at every instance that we would could have. If she asked about her neck, we'd reiterate and say, Maddie, remember, your super doctors took it out. And when we were at the hospital for a chemo stay, we would um, remind her that as she's asked, saying, I want to go home, that we would just interject that we'll take the special medicine so that, and, and I very purposefully hear a little music in our voice because <laughs> we had a little shimmy to go with it <laughs> so that the tumor will not come back. <laughs> and slowly but surely, it probably wasn't more than two weeks that you saw this two-and-a-half-year-old with her life flipped upside down, playing with her little Peppa characters and saying, oh, Peppa, it's okay. You just had a tumor, but your super doctors took it out. <laughs> and so she just, she put it all together. Wow. And, and that framework, that framework of break it down and add a little fun, it, it permeated every step of our journey, whether it was the medicine that she took. We never called it medicine after that. When she was on her like 10 to 15 out of hospital, you know, bottles of stuff, it was vitamins and it was super A, which was got a cyclovir, I think it was called as these names come back yeah. to me. Super A was going to make her stronger and she would make a muscle. Oh. And we, so every, and that's, if she had to get an MRI, she was going to take a picture yeah. and just trying to break it down in terms that she could understand. And, and the result was her moving through what would otherwise been very life altering and traumatic and, and soul crushing. Uh, she, she continued to grow mm -hmm. <laughs> both emotionally, physically, uh, her home became hospital. She became flexible for that just to be another play space in her life. And that um, if there is a singular blessing in our journey, it's that despite going through hell, we didn't feel it because of her. Because she was able to, we with the help and guidance of child life were able to create this safe bubble around her while still telling her the truth. And it was, it was a beautiful thing to watch. And at the same time with gratefully uh, the bliss of hope uh, because Maddie's disease was not terminal. So this, this path forward, this new reality and watching this little kid go from not knowing if she would survive to literally turning this hospital into her little playroom. Um, it was a soul-filling, hope-filled time in life um, because all we knew is that there was a treatment protocol. And so we lived in that presence of keeping her happy and keeping her loved and keeping her secure. And that was our medicine. That was our hope. You know, you're, talking a lot about kind of the guidance that child life gave you, but I have to tell you, Scott, <laughs> it sounds like you and Pammy, you know, as parents, we just, we have this innate thing within us that says protect our child and protection a lot of times means shield them. You know, we don't want them to feel mm -hmm. anything that hurts. So when 
parents, myself included, don't want kids to know the bad thing. It's truly because of their innocence. And we just don't want them to know that this kind of evilness or pain exists. But you guys were so open and already had such a tight knit family. There's a part in your book where you talk about how you and Pammy shared the responsibilities and especially when it came to bath time and bedtime, you know, it wasn't a like trade off. You're going to do it tonight. I'll do it tomorrow. You know, you lived life, the, th the three of you. And then when Lily came into the picture, just as a family. And so you already had this amazing connection of family and, and presence in your life that you gave Maddie the best life possible. You loved her so much. You were her buffer. You were her protection and you did it in such a profound way and you're, you continue to do it. And I just think that you're absolutely amazing. <laughs> I, I, I appreciate the words, the support, but I, um, I mean, every bit of this, our first step, our first step on that journey though, was, it's going to be okay, Maddie. Mm -hmm. And we needed that gentle nudge from child life to remind us that you can't stop there. Yeah. That if you stop there, you're not treating the whole human and you're not letting every, you're not letting Maddie process what's going around her. And, you know, I think what's so amazing as time goes on, you realize how much of that is so true to us as adults <laughs> too. Yeah. How many times when, when you experience something hard in your own life, does someone just say, Oh, it's going to be okay. Yeah. And, and the difference when you're able to have that conversation with the person who's able to go to truth and to accept the totality of possibilities, um, there is something soul warming. And emotionally healthy about about support and honesty coexisting. Sure. And um, gosh, uh, <laughs> and on a lighter note, <laughs> we we apply it to Lily even today. <laughs> I mean, like those tools. Silly enough, and you, I wouldn't surprise me. I'm guessing <laughs> this is not uncommon for anyone who who walks the child life walk. But even if it's like. Uh, we're going to change her diaper <laughs> for sure. I got you. There's no, like, we're no, like, there's no sneak attacks anymore yeah. in life. Like we used to parent by sneak attack. If something's going to be uncomfortable, just do yeah, it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> or you're going to go, you're going to go to the doctor. They're going to give her a shot and then just let them do it. And then you're going to say, Oh, it's going to be okay. They put a band aid. Yeah. Now we explain everything. I know. I'll even have my <laughs> husband say to preview. me, my husband's like, can you quit child lifing me? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's so true. But I swear it's so real and powerful. Um, Lily is to this day, she's probably since, since one years old, she's like the best patient in the world. Oh. She'll go, she goes to the doctor and, and she'll sit there with her stethoscope and yeah, <laughs> because we prep her and we have conversations and that is all a lesson that started with child life and, and watching watching Maddie, watching a two and a half year old with, with a central line where tubes are literally surgically implanted into her chest and yet could sit down and look at them and call these two 
two lines, her princesses. But yet at the same time, know that those princesses are delivering the chemo that will help make sure the tumor does not come back. And that ability to be creative, fun, supportive parent, but while still preparing and recognizing reality, um, it's, it's a powerful combination and it is the, it is the knowledge base that child life houses that unfortunately in, in my mind is uh, all too underappreciated until you need it. Mm. I always say it's good when you don't know what my job is. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> would you talk to us a little bit about experience at Lurie? And I know you guys specifically came up with your own name for it. And I know she loved that playroom and, um, I guess some of the, some of the things that helped you cope while you guys were in the hospital. Yeah. So we, we very much wanted to make it a positive place for her knowing how much time we were going to spend. So we never called it a hospital. Um, we call, it was the, the full name of the hospital we were treated at was called the Anne and Robert H. Lurie Children's Hospital of Chicago. And so as, uh, as good, fun-loving, Peppa Pig and Daniel Tiger-loving parents, we just didn't think that would be so exciting. <laughs> <laughs> so from day one, we went, we went with Lurie's place. And every time, Daddy, we're going to go to Lurie's place and they're going to check your vitals and they have a TV. <laughs> <laughs> And, oh, wait, they have a playroom. So one of the biggest blessings of our time there physically uh, was the playroom on the 17th floor of Larry Children's. Um, it was amazing. It was amazing. It was a, a break from reality and a place where Maddie really could still be a kid. And... Um, that was ultimately a place that not only did we go to whenever she felt up for it, but it was definitely the carrot anytime we had to go back to the hospital. Mm-hmm. That that when you had to balance the scale and explain to her why we were going, there was always, but we're going to get to play in the playroom. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and um, it's, uh, it's a different type of play when... You walk into a playroom for the first time and your child who you're used to just seeing running around constantly is stuck within the radius of an IV pole. Right. But it is play nonetheless. Mm-hmm. And it's it was amazing and, and ultimately really became the beginning seeds for some of the changes that Pammy and I hoped hoped to make. Um once, once we were no longer at Luria's patients, it, it allowed us to see some opportunity for for change and opportunity to enhance that that um, playful aspect of going through uh, a cancer diagnosis that um, Maddie really opened her eyes to as 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 the ultimate playful child. Um, she taught us a lot. Yeah, can you talk a little bit about what you and Pammy are doing now and the foundation that you've created? Yeah, so um, 
fast forward, um, Maddie ultimately passed in January of 2018. So eight and a half months, uh, eight and a half months past diagnosis. Um, and from an emotional perspective, it, it was very fast. And so our time with Maddie truly was eight and a half months of love, miracles, and inspiration. And so those painful moments on the timeline, uh, while they're going to last longer than they existed, uh, they were, they were very brief. And from her room on the ICU floor as, um, a giant Mickey Mouse decal mm-hmm. set outside that room, Pammy and I looked at each other and said that this is not the end and that we are going to do everything in our power to make sure that Maddie's life is remembered as an inspiration. And then we hold on to those eight months of those eight and a half that were so beautiful and no, gosh, not less than a couple weeks after that, um, our idea of our foundation, which is called Dancing, Dancing While Cancering, the Maddie Kramer Foundation, uh, was born. And the, the idea and, and what it ultimately became is a mission to bring joy inside the hospital for kids with cancer to, in some ways, create Lurie's place for any child that's in a hospital. And the, the, the starting point for that for us was, um, we created these fun neon green backpacks called smile packs. And inside is all stuff to help take that room and change it from a hospital room into, into more like a playroom. Mm-hmm. And so inside it's, um, there's a wireless speaker for music. There are room decorations like streamers and little paper disco balls. Oh my gosh. And there's musical instruments that are uh, elevated by age. So the younger kids get tambourines and maracas. There's a harmonica for the older kids. And, uh, in some ways it, it is a little snapshot of the room we created for Maddie. I know I, I spoke a little bit about the playroom itself, but um, Maddie's room really became a playroom. We we slowly but surely, as we grew more comfortable there, the first thing we do when we got into Maddie's room was deck it out. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we we put we put um, these disco balls on her curtain hooks. Oh, I love we that. We put them on her IV poles. We hung streamers. We filled her windowsill with, with books and had these little Disney figurines strewn across the room. And it was just, it was, it was that transformation and that recreation of this place that was a hospital and turning it into Larry's place. And so for us, the gift of these smile packs that we created, in some ways, the gift is not just the stuff that's inside, but it's that mindset because as, as we know firsthand, that is not a mindset that comes right away. You're, 
you're mired in pain and in fear. And it took Maddie to bring the fun. And so we, we have a personal note outside of every smile pack written for me and Pammy sort of parent to parent as that gentle reminder that as circumstances permit uh, to take advantage of those moments to smile. And so we started the foundation um, in October of 2018, so nine months after Maddie passed, just on the heels of publishing Maddie's Miracles, which was the first book we wrote in Maddie's honor that um, published on September 1st for Childhood Cancer Awareness Month. The foundation gets launched in October uh, just at Lurie Children's, really not with much of a vision other than giving back were to the place that gave so much to us. And sitting here today, we are are now delivering smile packs to 14 hospitals across nine states. My goodness. And just uh, such a beautiful testament to Maddie and, and really making a difference in in the very way that she made a difference in our lives. Scott, have you been able to um, connect with any of the parents who have received bags from you all? We have. Um, and uh, as you can imagine, uh, that is the um, most heartfelt and fulfilling aspect of what we do. Um, I think so many parents, you know, you don't know if the, no guarantees as to whether the chemotherapy will be effective, whether radiation will be effective. Um, but a smile is always, is always beautiful. And when we get those pictures of the kids who deck out their room, <laughs> Um, or even just a, a two line email of thanks for bringing a smile to our face today. Um, it's a reminder of why we do what we do. And Tammy and I say a lot, I, I hope and pray that one day, um, our work is not needed anymore, but, uh, until that day comes, we are going to do our best to to keep providing that level of support that um, needs to be there just as much as the actual medicine does because um, no amount, no amount of chemotherapy can bring brightness to those white walls. Mm -hmm. And if, if we don't treat our children while their disease is being treated, we're, we're not fully caring for that beautiful human being. And this is our way to um, provide that help, but also to start that conversation and to hopefully inspire both the parents and the institutions to continue to make that aspect of care uh, front and center. Absolutely. If people would like to learn more about dancing while cancering 
I just love that name <laughs> because it makes me think of Maddie. I have to tell you, um, the other thing is from your book this week, uh, Maddie's playlist. And you talk a little <laughs> bit about the songs that, um, she liked to have her dance parties to. Yeah, my family, we, we do a dance party, you know, it's one of our favorite things to do right before bedtime after dinner, when we're trying to kill time. So we've added some of Maddie's playlist to our playlist. Oh. And, and so we're, we're dancing and we're thinking of Maddie, why we do it. And she is good taste in music. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much. Yeah. yeah. She's, she, uh, she was beyond her years. She was. It took a little time though. We did, we did start as you, as you know, from those early chapters, yeah. there was a, there was definitely a Mickey Mouse clubhouse <laughs> phase, oh. but uh, we were not disappointed when that turned into Coldplay sure. and uh, Taylor Swift. <laughs> um, I also just giggle at how Maddie would request for you to play just these songs in the car and that you would just be locked in the car nonstop with this children's music. And it just makes me laugh. Oh my goodness. <laughs> yeah. We learned with Lily. So for, for parents listening, that is like, if I have one top, <laughs> top parental advice, it might seem cute to play all of like the Mickey Mouse clubhouse channel on Pandora, but like, one year later, when all you know are the words to uh, Mouse Kabunga by Pete or, right. or Technology by Professor Von Drake. Right. <laughs> so Lily, Lily, needless to say, we jumped pretty quickly to Lily Listen. <laughs> She's Lily into Def Leppard. Yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> oh, gosh. Metallica. Yeah, exactly. Um, so we, we, that was one, one parental mistake. <laughs> oh, so funny. And Scott, you wrote another book after Maddie's Miracles. Can you tell us about that? Yeah. So, um, if, if sort of looking at the two books as a whole, um, um, Maddie's Miracles really, it's, it factually, it, it tracks Maddie's journey from and our journey from from diagnosis through January of 18 but as you know from reading it is it is not a book about cancer and Maddie's miracles in every which way is a book about how do how do we handle trauma and how do we handle handle adversity and so many themes of presence and mindfulness and all of the, the challenges that come with the cycle of trauma. And at the end, I think Maddie's Miracles really reads like a book of how to endure trauma. And whether that is the trauma of a cancer diagnosis or any other challenge in life, I think Maddie's Miracles offers so much value and beauty. Um, the second book we wrote is called uh, the miracles that follow and are are a compilation of uh, journal entries that I wrote from the date of Maddie's passing um, through the launch of dancing while cancering and as a whole and in, in many ways just as Maddie's miracles reads as a journey through trauma um, the miracles that follow is 
a memoir of how to move forward after those losses um, that are so unimaginably deep. And for, for our family, uh, the, the answer, the path forward, uh, really came in the form of both continuing to find meaning in the world around us and creating uh, a legacy for Maddie so that when, when we say Maddie's name out loud, we can do exactly what we've been blessed to do in this conversation, which is we can laugh and we can smile and feel all the beauty that she brought into this world. And that those feelings really coalesced into creating something that would make a difference in her beautiful memory. And uh, in that way, uh, Maddie's memory lives on and, and our lives continue to be filled with so so much meaning, um, despite there being a physical void, our our hearts are still so very full, and she is so very present. Um, both both of the books we donate all of our royalties to cancer charities, um, sort of in line with the themes behind both books and the underlying stories we. Um, we donate 100% of our royalties to the miracles that follow to Dancing While Cancering, knowing that in, in, in so many ways it is the story of the birth of Dancing While Cancering. Maddie's Miracles, since it was published, we have shared the proceeds with a number of organizations, both those who have um, given back to our family and those who are also just so instrumental in the lives of others. And um, for those really interested in learning more about that journey, other than um, checking out the books on Amazon, uh, we also operate a blog called Maddie's Miracles. Um, it's, uh, it's a long site because there's nothing commercial about it. We started it just as... Uh, to keep family and friends updated. And so the, the URL has not changed since day one. It is maddiesmiracles.wordpress.com. Um, and it has every single entry from the moment I first opened up my laptop in April of 2017 to today. Uh, and included in that are so many inspirational um, chapters highlighting some of the um, partners that we've shared proceeds of the book with and there's beautiful pictures of maddie there's amazing videos and while while she certainly comes to life through the words in our stories um, there's really no there is no substitute for seeing maddie's videos and pictures live and really seeing where where dancing while cancering came from because the moment you lay eyes on her you will have uh, no doubt that that name is an extension of her. As uh, you see video after video of uh, a girl hooked up to an IV pole with those two princesses into her chest, and she is dancing away on her hospital floor, dance floor. She, um, she was and is amazing, and it is a 
it's a privilege to be able to give back in her honor. It is a, a blessing to support our patients and families and to really join child life in this journey. We, um, one of the unique and special ways we continue forward, you asked, how can people learn more? How can they connect other than, other than checking out the books on Amazon? Our website is dancingwhilecancering.org. But uh, one of the most special things we do is on our Instagram page. It is, uh, our handle is at dancing while cancering. And, uh, of all of our initiatives, this might be the one that still tugs closest to my heart. We, every week we feature a new patient, a new pediatric cancer patient and how they, um, hashtag battle with joy. And every week we share a new example of how a patient is bringing joy to their time inside the hospital. So all the little tricks of the trade that we learned, we know that there are so many other parents out there that are making that time in the hospital beautiful for their children. And this, this Instagram page is a way to not only honor them and to cheer them on as they, as they walk through what is an unimaginable time, um, but also raise awareness for new families as they reach out to the social media world, world and look for help that if they find their way to our page, um, that they can find these awesome examples of kids bringing joy. And so for, um, for your child life listeners or your patient listeners, we tell our child life friends all the time, if they've got a patient that's, uh, dancing it up <laughs> or doing something creative. Uh, our page is such an awesome, awesome page to follow. And people should feel free to reach out if they direct message, send a direct message. It's going to be me on the other end. And we are honoring people every week. And uh, gosh, if you have 15 minutes, just take a scroll through the last couple of months of our battle with joy posts at our Aunt Dancing While Cancering Instagram page, and uh, you will not be able to do anything but smile. For sure. It's, I, I, when I look through your Instagram page, I just think, you know, kids have got it figured out. They know how to handle yes, they do. <laughs> the hardest parts of life. And it's kind of like what you were saying about Maddie. When she's good, she plays, you know? And if as adults we could just incorporate that more and, oh. and take lessons. <laughs> Hmm. Yeah, through it all, while this disease is um, as adult as it gets, kids are still kids. And we are trying to honor that through our social media work. We are trying to inspire it through our smile packs and support it. And at the end of the day, it is a gift that came from our child life team and from Maddie. Well, thank you so much for sharing Maddie with us today. And there's no doubt anybody who listens to this is going to take Maddie with them and add a little dancing while cancering for sure to their life. So thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you for all that you do to spread awareness and information. It is a privilege to just be a small part of that. So keep, keep up the amazing work. Thank you for saying that. That means a lot. I don't really have anything else to say or to add on besides go and spread Maddie's love, Maddie's light, 
this Valentine's Day, and every other day. Find the miracles. Look for them. Thank you, Scott, for letting Child Life on Call share Maddie's miracles. Go follow Dancing While Cantering on Instagram and Facebook. I will link to all the ways to do that, and I will also link to both of Scott's books. Follow Child Life on Call on social media so that you can stay up to date with our families, their stories, and other things happening in the world of child life and parenting children with medical needs. Happy Valentine's Day, my friends.